ねねねねねデュルデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュデュwelcome back to kicking and streaming where we won't fall in love with you we promise i'm carrie i'm ross and this week we're covering the 2006 holiday rom-com the holiday yay (laughs) your your facial expressions never match the sound you make this is my pick and it's my pick for a reason I'm not usually a fan of the rom-com. I think they're cheesy and corny. Now, while this film is cheesy and corny... (laughs) We're looking for corny in our lives. Yes, I'm (laughs) looking for corny in my life. Thank you. It's the best written rom-com I've ever seen. How about that? (laughs) Okay. How about that? All right. Let's just use that as my justification. Don't forget, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Very good job. <laughs> and don't forget, guys, we're having a contest this month. Everybody who goes and leaves us an Apple Podcast review, we're going to put them all in a hat and draw a name. And that person is going to choose the very first film we cover in 2020. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? I am excited for them to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Please and thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. All right. On to the show. Iris and Amanda are in exactly the same place. Where do I want to go by myself? Depressed at Christmas. Just 6,000 miles apart. Home exchange. We switch houses, cars, everything. Bingo. I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? Perfect. We're on our way to New Jerusalem. I'm here. I'm here. As one door closes, that'll be interesting. Another one opens. Oh. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Graham. I was his brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me? Okay, sorry about that. Boob grace. (laughs) That was accidental. You know, Graham, I just broke up with someone. And considering that you showed up and you're insanely good looking and probably won't remember me anyway, I'm thinking we should have sex. If you want. Is that a trick question? Seems I had it all wrong. It turns out you'll go somewhere new and meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. It's Christmas Eve, and we are going to celebrate being young and being alive. So we have the beautiful, stunning Academy Award winning Kate Winslet here in the house with us. Not right now. No. She's not a guest. If she was a guest, I'd be shitting. Would you? I could, I could hardly speak if she was a guest. Would you die if she just pulled a microphone up right now? I would die if she was crammed in this closet with us. Academy Award winner Kate Winslet. She was like, oh, your sweaters are lovely. <laughs> oh, those are lovely. Where did you get those? Oh, my God. You're Kate Winslet. Uh, <laughs> oh, those are lovely. That's entirely how she would say it. We've got... We've got Cameron Diaz, I guess. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I like Cameron Diaz. 
I just I Who agrees to do bad teacher? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was so I was resentful of that movie's existence in in essence. I like mean, it wasn't all her fault, but she p- contributed to it. It's got its moments, but you know, we still love Princess Fiona. Jude Law. Mm. Go ahead. You say all the yummy things you want about Jude Law. Oh my goodness. The first thing I have in my notes is enter Jude Law, be still my heart. Oh my god. <laughs> so beautiful. And Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bone to pick with you. Why? Because I've never seen this movie before. That's right. You you only just viewed it for the for the cast. Yes. And I'm just upset. You're upset because you have a crush on Jack Black now. <sighs> yeah, that's this movie does that to you. Attention, all people. If you do not find Jack Black attractive, you will after viewing this movie. Just a little bit. You ready to tear it open? I sure am. <laughs> Boy, am I ever. So we open up, we get Kate Winslet in voiceover, and she starts talking about how, you know, love can be found in all these different places. I suppose I think about love more than anyone really should. I'm constantly amazed by its sheer power to alter and define our lives. It was Shakespeare who also said, Love is blind. Now that is something I know to be true. We find her working at a little London newspaper called The Telegraph. She does matrimonials and, <laughs> you know, from the appearance of her, you know, her her office, she seems to be someone of very high intellect, but they've got her doing the matrimonials. So it's whatever. Probably because she's the woman. And she starts, Iris, this is Iris, this is Iris Simpkins, and she starts talking about how there's the worst kind of love, unrequited love. And I'm like, amen. This is where I start rolling my eyes. But she's emotionally trapped. <sighs> this is true, because she does work with the guy, right? She does work with him. It's very hard to get him out of her day to day. And he's always constantly bothering her because... Here, look at my pages. Because he's emotionally manipulative. and he, Oh, you look nice in that. He wants to keep her around. Oh, was it your birthday today? Yeah. I forgot. And I have willingly loved that man for over three miserable years. These years that I've been in love have been the darkest days of my life. All because I've been cursed by being in love with a man who does not and will not love me back. He looks like such a douche nozzle. Yeah. She starts talking to her office co-worker, and we learn that he cheated on her with a girl that they both work with from the circulation department on the 19th floor. And everybody knew about it, and mm-hmm. Iris was humiliated for, like, months. And and now it's rumored she's doing his laundry. Yeah, and now... No, no, all we do now is we, we email. Not when he's with her, of course. Also, when he's not with her, we talk on the phone. Sometimes for hours. And then there's the occasional long lunch. You know, I never realized how pathetic you are. (laughs) This friend of hers is me. Like, you're not supposed to ever talk to that cheating prick again. Also, it's an office Christmas party. That's what's happening. Oh, that's right. That's where they're at. That's why they're all in the office at, like, 8 p.m. God, just the way that Iris is like, we... We email. Yeah. Oh my and god. You're like, oh my god, you email? 
remember email? This pre this film predates the iPhone. That's how I'm gauging the technological swerve of these things. Her manager's like, hey, did you file your story? And she's like, oh, I'm fully me, not yet. I'm too busy being sad. And so she rushes back to her office so she can finish up her matrimonial for the next day's issue. And who darkens her doorway? Jasper. I forgot to mention his name is Jasper. And Jasper shows up in her door looking all toothy and British. And he's like interrupting her work. And she's like, wait, I got to finish up. Don't go. And you're just like, oh, oh my God. Th- she's so pretty. She's so smart. Mm-hmm. She's deep. I know. She doesn't deserve the treatment this man brings her. Oh, because Ross. Yeah, I know. Ross. I know. Would, you, would you like to talk about it? Would okay. You- <laughs> so... Another thing that was happening during all of that opening narration is that Iris is wrapping this present, right? And, uh-huh. like, puts it in a drawer. And then she opens that drawer again and takes the present out. Presents for Jasper. He opens it. I don't even give a shit which book it is. It's the first edition of something. She found it in a place they used to go together. Yeah, like, like I, I'm sorry I'm having trouble consoling myself because, guys, he didn't get her anything. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I've probably got you something. It's probably buried in my car somewhere. And I'm like, no. I know that there was a time in my life when my self-respect was that low. Yeah. I just cannot remember it at all. My self-respect is still that low. But <laughs> Oh, honey, no. no. That's why I identify with Iris so much. And, okay, here's the kicker. This is the real donkey fucking kick in the head. <laughs> she emerges back from the office, and her the, the owner of the newspaper has a big announcement. Oh, my God. I knew it. As, as soon as they left that office, I was like, something very cataclysmic <laughs> is about to take place. And he's like, Iris Simpkins, this has to do with you. And she's like, oh, what could it be? And he's like... I want to announce the marriage of two of our own co-workers, and I want you to be the one to cover the story. Oh, Iris. And she's like, excellent. May I introduce the newly engaged Sarah Smith Alcott and Jasper Bloom. And everybody's just standing there applauding, and Iris is like, oh, oh, if I could just spontaneously combust into nothing, that would be fine. (laughs) So Iris cries all the way home. I remember looking at you and going, well, I know that this is coming to an end and we've (laughs) got to get to Cameron Diaz's half of the story. Exactly. And And sure enough, uh, we find ourselves in L.A. in this magnificent little villa home on Sunset Boulevard. She looks like she could have been neighbors with Versace. Yeah. like, Like, that's how swank it looks. It's very, very posh. And oh, we we see a man. His name is Ethan. I, I've been referring to him as Ethan Hawk, which just made me hate him more because he's and a, he didn't have a lot going for him to start. He's a tool. Ethan can't keep his tool to himself. That's his problem. Yeah. And so he runs up to Amanda's room. We, the first thing we see when he opens the door is Cameron Diaz, Amanda. Your receptionist, Ethan. You know, this is why I knew that we were smart never to get married. This is why I told you never to get rid of your house. You know, somewhere inside, I knew this about you. First of all, can you please calm down, all right? Because I did not sleep with her, all right? And secondly, we've had problems for over a year, and I know you don't want to deal with that, but we have. She is obviously continuing the fight from where it has left off the night before. 
this argument like spills out from the second floor onto the lawn as she goes through the stages of throwing him out. Yeah. Finally, he admits that he did in fact cheat. Yes. Okay. And his pathetic excuse for that is in essence that Amanda is a devoted career woman and her time is precious and split. Mm-hmm. And all I'm thinking is, uh, yeah, but that's not a reason to cheat yeah, on her. Yeah. So if Iris's big flaw is that she has no self-esteem, what is Amanda's flaw? She's emotionally staunched. That's true. Because one of the, you know, one of the big See, here I am ripping my own pick. Because um, one of her big things is that she hasn't been able to cry since she was 15, which Ethan uses as an excuse as to why she's emotionally crazy. I looked directly into your eyes and I was like, she's going to cry before the end of this movie. And I'm just like, hmm, a big fuck you to you. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I can. I know these things. I can predict these things. I've written this before. Your impression of me needs work. Yeah. So, finally, Amanda lets Ethan have it, literally in the face. I know you have a very high opinion of yourself. This isn't all me. (laughs) Okay. So when you're not in such a rage, I think you'll see that too. Maybe. Maybe when I stop having visions of you two together, I will see your side. (laughs) You gotta be... This chick that looks like Anna Gay or I don't know what the actress's actual name is, but... She was in Parks and Rec. She played Jen, right? The opposing... She's the head of Bobby Newport's election team. Holy shit, you're right. Catherine Hahn. So, okay, her the character's name is Bristol, a production aide that works with Amanda, because Amanda Woods is a... Film trailer executive. Yeah. And so Amanda owns a little movie trailer company, right? And her one of her production aides, Bristol, very pregnant Bristol, um, comes out and finds her having a panic attack in the foyer of her home. And she's like, um, uh, it's a bad time. <laughs> Jim Halper is also a production aide. No, but John Krasinski is in the film yeah. for like five seconds. Pre-haircut Jim Halper. Yeah. Like, John Krasinski did, had, did not have that J-Crew do yeah on the office yet i think ben and bristol are together i think that's what we're supposed to gather but okay and they just they're kind of on her team john krasinski ben is showing amanda a final cut of a trailer for a movie which is basically just die hard with younger (laughs) people it's a christmas crime movie it's a christmas action thriller and it's got it's starring Lindsay Lohan and James Franco. We need to talk about the celebrity cameos in this movie. Yeah. Rebecca Green was just your average 20-year-old until the father she never knew left her something she never expected. Don't scream. The father left you something in his will. I never met my father. Well, at least now you know he was interesting. Lindsay Lohan, James Franco. And Lindsay Lohan who's, plays, like, the daughter of a spy, and James Franco, like, knew the spy, and they're like, I don't know. It, it's funny. And um, it's got really stupid lines in it. Yeah. How did you happen to have two guns? I didn't think one would be enough. <laughs> what? James Franco, ew. They're done with that. And then Amanda's like, perfect, great. Add a little Scorsese flush here, and it'll be fine. <laughs> and... So she goes on this existential diatribe about how she's not getting any younger and how women actually age faster than men because men terrorize them the whole time they're growing up. Oh my god! And that 
she has no excitement in her life and she's just like, I need a vacation. Let's all get out of town for a couple of weeks. And the other two are like, ah. well, <laughs> about we, that, we don't live in the house that you do, Amanda. So, <laughs> which it is. It's a McMansion. It's like, a McMansion. And then Amanda hops on the Google. Uh-huh. She's like, I love her. She's like, okay, where do I want to go? By myself at Christmas. Myself depressed, I Alone on vacation. Alone, alone. Totally alone. How did she talk herself <laughs> into this? <laughs> and then she's sitting there and she's going, alone, alone. Totally alone. She's trying to cry. She's trying to make herself cry and she just can't. And so she's like, fuck it. On with the search. She's looking at these options and she finally gets, she finally gets to Iris's cottage, Rose Hill Cottage in Surrey. And Iris sells it really well on the listing. And she's like, you know what? This could be just what I need. A little isolation in a cozy little cottage. And she messages Iris, cut back to Great Britain where it's nighttime. Iris is still crying. <laughs> I hate you for pulling me into this because I love her so much. I, yeah. All of the shots of her having her breakdown. Yeah. So she goes to the computer. She gets on this dinosaur. This was a much simpler time on the internet. Yeah. No one had any fear about this kind of thing. Like, we do things like Airbnb now, but that's, like, highly regulated. Yeah. But just think about what she did. She went onto a random website that claims it facilitates house sharing, mm-hmm. house switching, and just without a background check, without a photo, they're just chatting back and forth about switching houses for funsies. <laughs> On a complete whim, by the way. Yeah. Because they're having this conversation back and forth. They're both at very emotionally divergent times in their lives. Yeah. And so, they're, you know, I think it's Amanda who's like, is tomorrow too soon? Iris and Amanda magically get off of work for two weeks so they can switch lives. I know, right? Isn't that great? <laughs> Don't, do you guys ever wonder about that when you hear logistical things like that happen in movies? You're just like, huh, I wonder how much paperwork was involved in that. And so we cut to Iris. She's getting on the plane. Who texts? It's Jasper. Or should I say emails? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she gets it on, like, her Blackberry or whatever. Yeah. And Jasper's like, hey, heard you're off to Cali. How, where can I reach you? Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, he just heard that she was leaving and he hopped right on that and was like, oh, you're leaving the country? Well, I can't keep tabs on you if you're not in the country. Yeah. He, I, yeah. I. And he's like, how can I reach you? And she's like, okay, I can't. <laughs> and she messages him back and she's like, we both know that I need to fall out of love with you. Be awesome if you would just like, let me try. <laughs> I would have texted back, uh, you can go straight to hell. Yeah. That's where you can reach me. And so she's like, send tweet. And <laughs> he broke her heart and he's torturing her. Yeah. I just, I. <laughs> also, Amanda on her flight is in first class. Yeah. I have never seen the likes of this before. She's stretched out in in a sleeping position. Yeah. She has a face mask, her own little light. She's got her own little side table, and it's she's got some depressing books piled up yeah. next to her. The Kite Runner, excellent story. Very depressing. Very, very depressing. And 
I can't name any of the others, but I just kite runner jumped out at me and I went, ouch. Like, it, it is a long flight. And then this very weird thing happens where <laughs> music starts playing as she's trying to go to sleep. And then a trailer about her begins to unfold. Amanda Woods is proud to present the life. He had it all. The job, the house, the guy. This holiday season, find out what Amanda doesn't have. Her subconscious is speaking to her. As if it were a film trailer. Which guy? <laughs> Don't sit there and pretend that you can't relate. Yeah, because you we know you've all done that. I've done that. The meta humor I in love, this movie. I love it. What would the trailer for your life start off with? Oh God! <laughs> is this uh, not a, is this not a good exercise? I don't know. I kind of don't want to think about it. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. A tuba starts playing. <laughs> you see a little fat kid running along. <laughs> trips, skins his knee. Ross McMichael was uh, not always lucky in life. I thought <laughs> you were gonna say Ross McMichael was not always fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> I would not write you a fat phobic narrative like that. That would be funny. <laughs> Iris has arrived in sunny LA. I'm so happy for her. I know. She obviously got the better deal here. <laughs> Christmas I, in LA. I mean, come on. Can you imagine? Everything I love about Christmas with nothing I hate about Christmas. I, lo I would love to spend Christmas by some hot crystal blue water. I understand that, like, not having snow can, like, ruin the mood in general, but being an adult has ruined snow for me. Yeah. It's inconvenient. It causes death. It doesn't get out of, it, it doesn't get you out of school anymore. It kills people every year. And then we we cut to Surrey, where Amanda's being driven through the little village that I almost said Rose. Ah, uh, that Rose lives outside of. Not Rose. Her that's name, your other favorite. It's a different movie. flower. <laughs> this is Iris. Yeah. Amanda's getting unpacked, shoving all of her lavish clothing into Iris's very tiny closets. This is the part where I remember thinking, I expect things to start happening rather fast because they've only got two weeks to fall in love, have a moment of hesitation, and then reconcile this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the clock's ticking. Exactly. Like, Amanda really doesn't know what to do when she gets there. She's so bored. She is. Yeah. Because she doesn't have her fast cars and all of her yeah. gizmos. Literally, all she does is pig out and drink wine and listen to the killers. Yeah. I feel seen. No, yeah. When she gets so bored that she puts the CD in. Jealousy. Turning things into jealousy. <laughs> she wants to do in England within about 45 minutes. Iris is selecting a film from one of the many and then the phone rings. It's the front gate. 
the 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 front gate is calling the phone yeah in in 2006 it's the front gate calling and iris does what i do when i hear somebody knock at the door i'm just like "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh you panic somebody's here but you know who's here jack black yep miles yeah he's uh pulling up with this girlfriend of his named maggie yeah we don't like Maggie. maggie the model yeah, it's Miles. Amanda? No, I'm sorry. Uh, Amanda's not here, I'm afraid. I'm trying to figure out how to open the gates. Oh, f- Very nice. Miles is here because he works with Amanda's ex. Huh. He's here to get some of his stuff. Yeah, and he's like, um, Ethan couldn't make an appearance here. <laughs> I'm just here to get some things. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's very casual, and he's... Those he's one of those guys that's doing the denim and the sport coat thing, you know. So they look professional but not threatening. He's also one of those guys that really wants you to like what he likes, right? And like Maggie's on the phone and they're sitting in the car and the little I don't know scenic music that's playing. The music's playing and she's on the phone and he's like, Maggie, Maggie, you're gonna miss the violins. <laughs> you're gonna miss the flutes. <laughs> Listen, listen, me at you yeah, when no, we're watching something. Literally you with anything. I was like, you're going to miss it. And he's just like very taken aback by, oh, there's an English lady living in Amanda's house right now. And there's this very nice moment with Jack Black and everything. There's all this wind going on. And what is he doing? Is he pulling something out of her hair? Uh-oh. You okay? Yes. Something just blew into my eye. Oh, I hate that. Let me see. Yep, you got something in your eyelash. You want me to get it? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, Santa Ana's. Pardon? The wind, it's what makes it so warm this time of year. Legend has it, when the Santa Ana's blow, all bets are off. Anything can happen. And then she's like, oh, thank you. And it's this very nice little meet-cute moment. And for those of you watching for the first time, we get it. It's Kate Winslet and Jack Black. You're not going to take it very seriously to begin with. And we understand that. But it gets better. It does. And I was very skeptical. And that's where I was like, okay, I think I pretty much have the the basic beats of the rest of this movie mapped out. Because we got Iris's opening story. Mm-hmm. And then we got Amanda's opening story. And then their respective journeys. And now we've met the guy that's on the box next to Kate Winslet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and- so... We have to meet the guy on the box next to Cameron Diaz. Yeah, which of course is Jude Law. Yes. So Amanda's trying to go to sleep with plans to leave England in the morning. Yeah, she's done she's done she's everything like, she came here to do. Well, this was on a whim. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think this through. She is literally like when the penguins in Madagascar get to the Antarctica and they're like, Well, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. And then in the middle of the night. There's a hammering on the front door of the cottage. I and I would hide under the bed. I know. And out there in the middle of nowhere, I'm like, Mm-mm, nope. You ain't getting no Jack the Rippers up in here tonight. Who is it? Me. Hurry up. I'm freezing. Who are you? Iris, open the door or I swear I'm going to take a leak all over your front. Oh, you're not Iris. Or if you are, I'm much drunker than I realize. Jude Law is playing Iris's older brother? Yes, Graham. Ugh. Graham Simpkins. He looks like a Graham. <laughs> Graham Cracker. And Mm-mm. I see... Stop? <laughs> 
I see Jude Law for the first time in this movie and I go, your tan is uncommon, sir. <laughs> for an Englishman? He should have that pasty, <laughs> that pasty skin because of all the overcast weather. Yes! <laughs> Not a nice even and tan. And I don't believe that Graham spends his time tanning. I believe Jude Law spends his time tanning. I just love how he's like, do you mind if I sit? I feel like I might bump into you. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, it's not subtle. She has also braced him for every shortcoming. Like, she's like, yeah, I just got out of a relationship, and that's basically why I'm here. Yeah, they're both clearly going through it. Yeah. He's also, like, coping with a loss. He tells her that I've been getting pissed a lot at the pub in town and staying with my sister afterwards so that I don't drive all the way home. It's become quite frequent. Which... Then it clicks in your head, oh, he has nowhere to go. Yeah. Which means he's going to be forced to stay the night, which means some meat bow chicka wow wow. So she gives him more liquor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, let's kiss. Oh, my God. So they pra- they play around kissing a little bit. And then Amanda's like, considering that you showed up and you're like insanely good looking and really drunk and probably won't remember me anyway, um, I'm thinking... We should have sex. If you want. Is that a trick question? No, the next morning, like... No, because she's trying to she's trying to make coffee, <laughs> and she can't get it to work because it's not plugged in. Yeah, the next morning. And she's like, oh, you have to plug him in over here. <laughs> I'm so stupid. Cram comes downstairs. And then they have the awkward morning after conversation that's like, it didn't mean anything. It's fine. But they just keep asking each other too many questions. And they're like, are you going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? I know it wasn't a love connection, but like, we did have sex. I love how this one night stand autopsy is going. Like, they're both actively trying to talk each other out of being with the other person. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm a mess. Oh, that's great. I'm a mess too. I just want to be sure you are okay. Because somehow, I, I, I find, I tend... To hurt women simply by being myself, so... I'm not going to fall in love with you, I promise. Okay. Nicely put, thank you. No, I, I, it's just that I, I, I know myself. Uh, I'm not sure I even fall in love. Not like the way other people do. And so basically, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going back to California. Like, it's gonna be fine. We're fine. It was nothing. And then he goes, okay, well, if you change your mind, I'm going to the pub in town tonight. And I, I probably looked at you and went, she's going to the pub in town tonight. She's going to stay. Because why else would we be here? Iris has taken a nap since we've last visited her so that she can keep up with the time change. And wow, what a time change. Oh, yeah. yeah. Holy moly. What a time change. That's a 10-hour time change right there. And then she gets a call, and it's Jasper. I hate him for coming in here and trying to insert himself in her good time. Because not only is he interrupting her emotional sabbatical, but he has a request. What's wrong? I'm, I'm having some real problems with this section of my book. Use some iris. <laughs> Would it be awful if I send you some pages? Just tell me if it is. I don't want to mess you up, but I'd... I'd... I know that you're the only one who can really help me. (sighs) No, well, I mean... If you need me... You know you are my little survival kit. (sighs) 
Like, I just can't stand it. And so she blacks the windows out again and goes back to bed. <laughs> this is the beginning of Iris having an adorable little friendship with the man that lives next door to Amanda. Tell us about the neighbor, Arthur. So this little old man that she's been seeing pitter-puttering around the neighborhood, she notices him on the side of the road one day. And she's like, oh, Like, not, not on the sidewalk. Like, like literally on the side of the road. On the side of the road. And she's like, With his walker? Can I offer you a lift home? Why? You know where I live? Uh, I believe I do, yes. Good. And that makes one of us. Arthur's got some good lines. And Eli Wallach is, of course, portraying Arthur, Arthur Abbott. And I think he was like 85. He was a very old man. Very, very old. And he's just like, I was a writer. Because he's like an old school Hollywood writer. He's been around a very long time. He's been around since the late 30s yeah, like in 60, Hollywood. What, like 65 years, he said? Yeah. Or something like that. I love it when they're trying to get back into his house and he's futzing with the keys and it's taking a long time. He's, <laughs> he's like, like, I could be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And she's like, let me. Let's him in. He goes through, starts taking off his coat and everything. She's looking around at all of the insanity that is his house. All of the awards. I was like looking at my phone for a second and you were like, no, 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 no. You have to watch this part because he lives where I'd like to end up. Yeah. Surrounded by awards. In Beverly Hills. Yeah. (laughs) And she's looking around and she notices the Oscar. Oh. That is behind his desk. That beautiful boy. Yeah. And she looks at it and she goes... I have some follow-up questions. Yes, she went, weird question. Um, I hope you don't find this strange. But I've just arrived here, and um, I don't really know anyone. And I was thinking of going out for dinner tonight. Well, if you're not busy, would you like to join me? Busy? Honey, I haven't been busy since 1978. So they go out and they have a nice little dinner. Just her and the old man neighbor. They're learning about each other's lives. It turns out that his very first employer was Louis B. Mayer. He was Louis B. Mayer's office boy. And honestly, respect. Like, Louis B. Mayer was a real prick. He could not have been easy to work for. He's telling her all about the good old days of Hollywood. Yeah, they were real great. Um, Yeah. (laughs) They were real great for the white men. This is what prompts him to ask her. Yeah. What a beautiful single woman in her, what, Iris is probably her mid-30s. Yeah. What is she doing out with an old man on, like, Friday night or whatever? Yeah. Why are you out with me right now? Why are you doing this? (laughs) And so she basically collapses and tells him that I came over here to escape my ex who got engaged and forgot to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) It's rough. And I, he, he is me. He's just like, so he's a schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, sweetheart, forget him. This is not a hard one to figure out. Iris, in the movies, we have leading ladies and we have the best friend. You, I, I can tell, are a leading lady. But for some reason, you're behaving like the best friend. I need that on a t-shirt. Yeah. Like something like, be the leading lady of your own life. She goes, absolutely. Amanda's hungover after the pub with Graham, right? Yes, yes. She comes downstairs, and this is the one where Graham's already in the kitchen. Yes. And she, like, sees her bra, like, flung over a chair, and she's like, oh, my God. I just love it. She picks up the bra, and Graham's like, that was not me. I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) 
And she goes, did we? Did we? And he goes, Mm-mm. we did not. <laughs> Which, hey, I mean, at least somebody's using their brain. <laughs> because Graham. Call me old fashioned, but one doesn't have sex with women who are unconscious. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, question one. Like, again, not something that needs to be said, but I'm glad that's where his head is at. Graham gets a call, a page, whatever, an email. (laughs) From somebody named Sophie? Sophie. Because, like, she thinks he's on the phone chatting up some girl outside. And then, like, what she realizes is that he's canceling plans with somebody. Yeah. To spend the day with her. He comes inside and he's like... I love how at lunch she's basically interrogating him. Yes. Like, asking him about what he does. He's a book editor? My loins! Yeah, and (laughs) you find out his whole family's in publishing, and she lets out the re- she lets out that she can't cry. And she gives this big tragedy story about how her parents split when she was 15, and her dad moved out of the house, and they were really close, and she doesn't know what happened. And it kind of, I think, created, I don't know, long-term problems with her relationships. Wait, you haven't cried since you were 15? I know, it must mean something awful, I know, but, you know, I try, (laughs) but (laughs) believe me. But can we talk about you some more, please? Okay, okay. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, I cry all the time. You do not. Yeah, I do. (laughs) More than any woman you've ever met. He's being very gentle with her. Yeah. Like, they have this great little rapport where you can tell that neither of them is used to being so honest with another person. Mm -hmm. It's just not the way they live their lives. And so it's nice to watch them go back and forth like that. Cut back to California. Miles comes to Amanda's house to pick up that stuff that he was going to get for Ethan earlier, but he had to. But Iris wanted to get it cleared with Amanda. He's, he's he's interrupted quite the little shindig. Yeah, he can hear laughter in the background. He's like, "You got you got company," and she's like, "I'm having a little Hanukkah party." <laughs> and so she invites Miles in to be a part of the Hanukkah party, and they're all just having a really nice night. It's it's Iris, Arthur couple of Arthur's friends from the old days. Miles is schnockered. Yeah, Miles is having a very good time with some (laughs) Hollywood legends and Iris at this little Hanukkah party. The night comes to a nice little end. (laughs) I love how Arthur goes, Fellas, I think we should leave these young folks and get back to our bedpans. (laughs) (laughs) Because Arthur sees. (laughs) Arthur sees that there's like this little spark of chemistry Uh between Iris and Miles, and he wants to leave it alone and let it brew. Exactly. You know what I mean? So Iris and Miles get to talking. You know, Arthur Abbott is maybe the last of the great Hollywood writers from that generation. Thanks. There are like famous things we say because he wrote them. I know. He told me that his friends wrote Casablanca, but that he added the kid. So here's looking at you, kid. Hello, which totally makes the line. Here's looking at you, Ilsa. Big kicking and streaming energy right there. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Again, it's hard for me not to be endeared to Jack Black's character. And they have that awkward kiss. Yeah, and he's like, sorry. Didn't mean to kiss you and then come back and kiss you a second time. He kisses her twice. And he goes, you smell really good, by the way. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we get it. You're a little hungry for Iris. Amanda's taking a bath. and then she's Has just... she blown Graham off again? Is that why she's taken to the bath? Because she has to leave in two weeks. Yeah. Like, this relationship has an expiration date. They're really piling on the mushy gushy here. And she's like, mm, I'm catching feelings. 
better soak in the tub so I can get these feelings off of me. And then the trailer thing starts happening again. Amanda Woods. Shut up. She pushed every guy away every time. It's not will she ever change, but does she want to? Okay, I'll show that voice in my head. Yeah. I'll go over to Graham's and surprise him. Yeah, it's just a bad decision. Because, like, he opens the door. Maybe this isn't so complicated at all. And also, I wanted to apologize. I am sorry I didn't invite you in this afternoon. I don't know what that was about exactly, but whatever it was, I thought that I should just... Oh my god, you're, um, not alone, are you? No, no, actually. A tiny human emerges from behind Jude Law in the doorway and goes, Who is it, Daddy? Daddy? Yes. I am Daddy. I am Daddy. (laughs) Yes, you are, sir. And then another tiny human appears Sophie and Olivia. Sophie and Olivia. The girls that were showing up on his caller ID. Yeah, and she goes, oh. One of Olivia's like, come in. And so they kind of like, sleep over. (laughs) Sleep over. One of them's like, you look like my Barbie. Yeah. Oh my God. She's like, I know, I'm tad overdressed. I apologize for not having Uh, mentioned this earlier. Your D-I-B-O-R-C. W-I-D-O-W-E-R. Two years ago. Oh. This was a charming change of pace for me because up until this point... You were ready for drama. I was. Yeah. I was ready for him to be a womanizing cur. Mm -hmm. And he's this devoted single dad. And I'm just like, oh... I, I've been I've been tricked. <laughs> it was a pleasant surprise for me. The, the, the little girls are so polite. I know. These two little actresses do such a good job. Can we talk about Mr. Napkinhead? Yes. So they sit down to hot chocolate and Olivia's like, do Mr. Napkinhead. And he's like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not in front of my new girlfriend, please. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he does this thing where he puts a napkin over his face, puts his glasses on, puts part of the napkin in his mouth and starts talking. Hello. <laughs> It's really funny. It's cute, and the girls go crazy for it. And then Olivia's like, Do you want to see our tent? The girls' tent? And I'm emotional. The, the sound of chimes as the door opens, and we see the beautiful, elaborate tent setup that these girls have made for themselves from translucent bed sheets and lights. <gasps> Okay, this is seriously cool. Come inside. It's just really pretty. It's very amazing. I was, I'm already crying at this point because all of this joy does not bode well for the end in, in my narrative mind. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, something's gonna happen. Because it's just such a lovely little moment. All four of them laying on the floor of the tent, mm-hmm. chatting amongst themselves. And they're just being, they're just being cute. You know, they're just, yeah. Sophie's trying to be dad's little wingman. Uh-huh. I, I can't get over it. And yeah. Amanda and Graham decide that this is all getting too complicated. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, again, this relationship has an expiration date. They've been doing all they can to pour like years of romance into yeah. two weeks. And this, and now there's children involved. 
Iris is living her best life in L.A. She's healthy. She's exercising. Yeah. She's best friends with an old Hollywood writer. She's walking out that front door every day, taking an orange off the tree. (laughs) It's like she's a native now. Yeah. Like she's a native Californian. She's definitely an L.A. person. (laughs) (laughs) She's enjoying herself. And she's just going over into Arthur's house without knocking every morning. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's literally dispersing his mail to him like she's his personal assistant. Gas company, phone bill, and a letter from the Writers Guild of America West. And he tosses it right in the trash can. Are you watching the movies I recommended? And I'm just like her. I can't hear anything he's saying because my eyes are on the piece of mail in the garbage. Arthur, don't you want to open that letter you just threw in the bin? (laughs) No. They want to arrange some kind of tribute to me. A night with me. I don't know. It sounds god-awful. What are you talking about? That sounds brilliant. Would, Would you like to walk out on a stage, on a walker, looking 100 years old, and see 11 schnooks who showed up just to see you? They can forget it. He's got, like, kind of a reputation, like this image that people have in their minds of him, this great mind, this great writer. And I could understand if I had limited capabilities, not wanting to get up on stage and have that image be changed in any way. He thinks he's a cadaver. Yeah. Yeah. He's just got some limited mobility. Yeah. And and, and a little dementia. And she goes, you know, with some exercise and hard work, you could probably walk up there on your own. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do you suppose you'll get me in shape? And she's like, easy. Training montage. Montage time. (laughs) So we get shots of them in the pool, slowly walking, getting a real feel for it, getting a feel for Arthur's balance. He almost drowns. (laughs) It's it's fun. There's a cute little moment where she's on the couch and he gets up and he goes to the walker, but she keeps sliding it away slowly (laughs) from him with her foot. Making him like inch towards it. Uh, uh, uh. And, like, she's just really helping him out. And then we catch her in the office. The phone rings. It's Graham! It's Graham! It's Brubber! I love this moment because they could not be more unaware of what's been going on. In either one of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Like... So, are you ever coming home? <laughs> oh, my God. Hi. How's it going? Great. I met a really nice guy. See? And you said you'd never. What's he like? He's really cute. I feel great when I'm with him, which is an entirely new experience. And... He's about 90 years old. Come on. He's my next door neighbor. Ding! Amanda is on the other line. Uh, Can I call you back? (laughs) I'll hold. And then (laughs) Amanda picks up. Hi, Iris. Hello. And then (laughs) she's like. Things could not be more weird. Yeah. In my opinion. Amanda is sleeping with Iris's older brother. Yeah, and because when she was on the phone with Graham, she was like, oh, Amanda, you should pop over and meet her. And then she goes on with Amanda. I was just on the line with my brother. And she goes, Graham? (laughs) My brother wants to know how you are. Can you tell him that I'm good and that I'm just taking Charlie for a walk in the village? Um, What's he been up to, did he say? I'm not sure. Do you want me to ask him? Uh, Sure. Okay. Hold, please. I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house. He told you that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I thought I was talking to Graham. How did I know that she was going to have problems switching the lines over? Yeah. Because why else would we have this shtick? Switch is over. I can't believe you've had sex with Amanda. The one thing she asked me was, are there any men in your town? And I assured her that there were not. And then you meet her and immediately get into her knickers. Still me. 
the way she just goes bollocks. <laughs> she goes, I must have lost him. Amanda, I am so sorry. I will call you back. Then she switches over to a brand new telephone call and goes, Yes, hello. It's Miles. Am I in trouble? Oh, Miles. Hi. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, Miles. <laughs> he picked a bad time. What are you up to this Christmas Eve? Not much. Um, but in a little bit, I was going to go down to the video shop and get the next movie on Arthur's list. Do you want some company? Oh, yeah, they're going to do Netflix and chill. Yeah, and she goes, <sighs> But it's like Blockbuster and chill. Love some. Which, by the way, Blockbuster. They, they go into a Blockbuster. It's 2006. You better believe they went into a Blockbuster. You know, Netflix was a thing. No, yeah, it was in its infancy, right? It was literally like, here, we'll mail you a movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? I can just get on it anytime I want now. I love how they're just going through all of these titles in the movie store. And again, Miles is us. He's just got commentary for everything. Yeah, and he keeps embarrassing her by going around the store, pulling out movies and singing the like we do at the beginning of our episodes, just singing the tune really loudly. Is this a bad game? No. Keep going. Sometimes I get self-conscious about my and scrattled Are you embarrassed by this game I've started to play? He picks up the graduate. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? And then you pan over and you see Dustin Hoffman standing in the same aisle that they are like, in the as blockbuster. Him, as himself. And he just turns down and he, go, he goes, I can't go anywhere. <laughs> Slaps the movie back on the shelf and walks away. He's so mad. <laughs> He's so... <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I kind of forgot throughout this whole scene, he's still got a girlfriend. Yeah. Because guess who's outside with another man? His girlfriend! It's Maggie. Maggie was supposed to have been in New Mexico shooting a little indie film. We learned that she spent two days in New Mexico, came back, and had been lying to Miles about where she was. So she could see her side piece. Yeah. And he took- Who does not look like Miles, by the way. Yeah, so does not. And it's just an extra sting. And so they've gone back to the villa- Iris is liquoring Miles up because he needs it. Iris knows what it's like to feel this way. <laughs> Iris is like, I know it's hard to believe people when they say I know how you feel, but I, I do. I do know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. So Iris goes on the whole spiel about who Jasper is and what Jasper did to her. What I'm trying to say is I understand feeling as small and as insignificant as humanly possible. And how it can actually ache in places that you didn't know you had inside you. I have in my notes, ow, yeah. Nancy Myers, stop, and with she, like five O's. And she's basically just telling Miles she knows what it's like to put all of yourself into something that will not give back. Exactly. And how do you can feel dumb about all the time that you wasted. And after all that, however long all that may be. You'll go somewhere new. And you'll meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. And little pieces of your soul will finally come back. And all that fuzzy stuff. Those years of your life that you wasted. That will eventually begin to fade. 
And then after her spiel, he's like, well, shit, (laughs) you need this liquor more than I do. And so it kind of because he starts out as the really depressed one. And then she says her shit. And he's like, well, no, (laughs) my life's not that complicated. We are not spending Christmas Eve like this. (laughs) He makes her dinner. He makes her fettuccine. And they watch Christmas movies. I just love how Iris and Miles' connection is far less lecherous. Yeah, it's less based on physical attraction and more on intellectual interests. Yeah, and that's why I like their relationship so much. Because we cut back to England and Graham has shown up to put the moves on Amanda. Yeah. Like, they're back on. They're off and on so many times in the course of two weeks. I'm just like, where are we at now? Like, they'll do it. Have a long conversation about it (laughs) and then start the whole process all over again. Yep. They will screw, say, I'm leaving in two weeks. We can't, we can't do any more of this. We need to stop. And then, oh, someone shows up at the other one's house the next night. Like, oh, let's do it. (laughs) I promise you, I'm not going to fall in love with you. Yeah, she had one job. She told him she would not fall in love with him. Oh, look what's happening. Anyway. Back in Los Angeles, Miles just got himself a little little house. Uh huh. Yeah, it's really cute. And he's in his little studio that we see in the beginning. He's playing the piano. Yeah. And he's and she's he's like, Iris, come over here. I'm going to show you what I wrote Arthur for his uh, you know award. Little Arthur in the nights. Right? It's cheeky. It sounds like him. And then Miles is like, I'm already crying. I know. Miles is like, I also wrote one that sounds like you. You did? Iris, if you were a melody. I used only the good notes. Iris is just like overcome and then I think they both realize what's happening and then and back to Arthur's theme song (laughs) Iris lives next door to Arthur he's a doodly doo (laughs) and also a doodly doo a scroodly doo is it? I didn't know it and fruitly doo we both said fruitly do you think any of that's scripted? I probably not. Like, there's just something about the way they're laughing. We both said brutally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he's way too excited about it. Yeah. And guess what? We're back in bed <laughs> with Graham and Amanda. Amanda's trying to start this process over They're again. having another existential conversation. Amanda has zero faith in a long-distance relationship. She's laying out why it won't work. And then Graham looks her dead in the eye and goes, I have another scenario for you. Good. I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Whoa! Amanda's just like, she has no concrete reaction to it. No, here's the thing. She doesn't say it back. Yeah. And he's pouring his soul on her right now. And I never thought I'd feel this way again. So that's pretty phenomenal. And I realize I come with a package deal. Three for the price of one. And my package, perhaps, in the light of day isn't all that wonderful, but I finally know what I want. And that in itself is a miracle. And what I want is you. 
And he's just like, I've never felt this way about anyone. You're the one. Like, holy crap, I am 100% head over heels. Hold on to the grass so I don't fall off the earth in love with you. And she's just like, wow. Yeah, she's not experiencing any identifiable emotion. She immediately shuts him off. I know. Yeah, because she's like, "Uh uh-uh. What did you just... No. Ah. <laughs> I'm not seeing this. I'm not, I'm not seeing this. this. She's like, oh, my head hurts. <sighs> and I'm just like, Amanda. <laughs> you dummy dummy. Get that piping hot English tea. He's a great father. Yeah. He's He's got a great job. That, he- is, that is a lot to take on, though. Like, you get instant family. Yeah. There, there's a lot of moving parts there. It, I, I will give her credit that it is a lot more complicated than we are making it sound. Yeah. But just you just want her to get on that Jude Law. You know what I mean? Exactly. Don't let that shit pass in the night. Like, Graham wants to talk. Mm-hmm. Amanda does not. She wants to have sex some more. Yeah, Amanda's like, you know what? Let's just enjoy the time we have. Please be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Iris. Back to Iris and Miles having a lunch date at that, I don't know, it's like a seafood place. Yes. With the accidental boob grace. Yes. He's like, I'm sorry, accidental boob grace. I did not mean to graze your breast. <laughs> Maggie calls. And Maggie's like, oh, I need to me. You can go. I can get this one. I'll see you later at the Writers Guild. I mean, if you can still make it. I gotta get all the way over to Silver Lake, but I'm gonna try to be there. Anyway, I'm bringing the music. I mean, I really want to be there, but I don't know how long this is going to take. They were having such a nice time. Yeah, Iris is like, go ahead. I got the bill. You go sort out your life. And I'm like, you're a good person, Iris. But that's also textbook Iris. Yeah. Like, she lets it all fall on her. Because she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to be intrusive or obstructive of him. Like, I just. uh... Even though she was really feeling him. So, Miles goes back to his old shit. So Iris decides that she's also going back to her old shit. She goes and gets out Jasper's pages that have been sent to her via FedEx. And she's in the middle of reading them. Guess who fucking calls? It's Jasper again. It's Jasper. And he's like, I've got a surprise for you. Well, I'll go and check the gate. Yes. Well, when did you send it? Lunch Christmas present. I have in all capital letters. I knew it. I knew he was going to be on the other side of that door. I just knew it. She opens the door. Oh, and he's fucking there. <laughs> what a nightmare. He's engaged yeah. to another woman. Mm-hmm. And he flew at Christmas time to go and see Iris in L.A. I just want to barf with all of his I miss you BS. And... They immediately get into it. She's like nervously opening wine. And And he's like, posh digs. (laughs) I was right there for three years. Remember? Square peg, round hole. That's what you said to me once, that we weren't really right for each other. We were a square peg and a round hole. I, I don't remember that. I just know that I hate it when you were gone. And also, I've never checked my emails more. It was driving me crazy that I wasn't hearing from you. We get to a point where they're on the couch, and because he's won her over again with his charm. You you no less than five times throughout this scene looked at me and went, he's engaged to another woman. Yeah. Engaged to another human being. 
And he goes, you know what? We can go anywhere we want. We can do whatever. And she goes, yeah, but are you free to do all that? And he goes, darling, I've just traveled halfway across the world to see you, haven't I? Mm. Yeah, that doesn't exactly answer my question. So, <laughs> so like, good on you, Iris. <laughs> that did not answer the question. Mm, let me be on. Let me be perfectly clear. You are still engaged to be married. And he says, yes. yes. And she goes, oh my god, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> she does the full Emily blood. Yeah. <laughs> You begin to hear the clanging of two metal orbs, and that's Iris's big brass balls dropping. Oh, she lets him have it. She absolutely lets him have it. But you waltzing in here on my lovely Christmas holiday and telling me that you don't want to lose me whilst you're about to get married somehow newly entitles me to say, it's over. The inspirational music starts playing, and she's like, I've got a life to start living. I love it. And you're not going to be in it. It's my favorite. <laughs> she's just running through this house. Now, I've got somewhere really important to be, and you have got to get the hell out. Now! What exactly has got into you? I don't know. But I think what I've got is something slightly resembling gumption. And so she rushes over to Arthur's in her beautiful dress. She looks like quite the date. And he opens up the door and he goes, oh, my God, you look beautiful. And he gives her a corsage. A corsage. And he goes, Sorry. I'm beside myself. Yeah. The last time I had a date, this, this is what we did. It's beautiful. If it's corny, if it's going to ruin your outfit, you don't have to wear it. I like corny. I'm looking for corny in my life. And so they go, and Arthur's very, very nervous. He is. He's worried that there are going to be like five people in there. Yeah. They open up the doors. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Arthur Abbott. Full house. Mm -hmm. People immediately start clapping. It's so beautiful. Everybody was standing and applauding. Arthur perks right up. Uh-huh. Also, Iris is a little nervous because she doesn't know how everything turned out with Maggie and Miles. Right. And we... Miles got the flash drive with Arthur's inspiration music on it. Yeah, he might not have anything to walk up to. Yeah. And Arthur gets, you know, Iris goes to her seat and Arthur gets led up by, you know, an usher to the front of the stage. And he takes one look at those steps and he's like, might as well be Everest. Yeah. <laughs> and then the music starts playing. Miles comes running down the aisle and gets right next to Iris and is like, the man is a rock star. <laughs> yeah. And Arthur, unaided by the usher, walks up all of those stairs by himself. He did it. He did it. Miles is sitting with Iris and he's like, what are you doing New Year's Eve? I'll be back in England by New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, I've never been to England. If I come over there, will you go out with me on New Year's Eve? I'd love to. The giddy look on her face. They both give some great face. Yeah, he just like closes his eyes and he's like, 
Like that baby, that that meme of the baby going, yes. Yes. Like with the fist pump. Yeah. And <laughs> and she's got just the most adorable grin on her face. It is a very nice moment. <laughs> it also came together, as you previously said, without a lot of sexual moaning and groaning and hardship. And, and existential conversations about how we can't be together. Like, they just kind of fell together naturally. Yeah. And Amanda's story just doesn't fall together naturally. It's a hard struggle. Cut back to the front of Rose Hill Cottage. Yeah. Amanda is emerging to leave for the airport with Graham. <laughs> and the first thing she says is, okay. Not going to make a bigger deal out of this than it already is. And I cackle every time. Because, because they're going to make a bigger deal out of this than it really is. They're going to make a huge deal. And so they say, you know, a short goodbye. And she gets in the car. It is very, it does pull at your strings a little bit. I wish I could remember what was said, but you were complaining about his tan for this whole conversation. He's got an uncommon tan for an Englishman. <laughs> It's just not believable. I'm sorry. I, he looks better tan, mm -hmm. but, you know, whatever. And she's in the car being driven away to that heart-wrenching violin track. And she's getting upset. And she's just sitting there. She's just staring ahead. And then she realizes she has tears in her eyes. She's crying. For the first time in, like, 20 years. And... <laughs> This is where I made you mad. Yeah. Because she starts crying. And I looked at you and I said, now she's going to tell the driver to stop the car. And I was like, you didn't have to. You didn't have to say it. You could have just let it happen. But no, she's a writer. A blind and deaf person in Alabama could know that that was going to happen. And, she, and he's like, okay, that's going to be a bit difficult. She's like, you know what? Just stop. <laughs> And she runs all the way back to the cottage to find Graham crying. Yeah, remember he says he cries at everything. And he was crying and she goes, I was just thinking, why would I ever leave before New Year's Eve? That makes no sense at all. I mean, you didn't exactly ask me out, but you did say you loved me. So I'm thinking I've got a date. <laughs> You'll have me. I have the girls New Year's Eve. Sounds perfect. We have this nice little sequence at Graham's house. And we see Iris picking up Olivia. And you're just like, oh, it's Auntie Iris! Like, and we see the little girls go over to the couch. And Miles is on the couch. And he's like doing whatever telling shtick or whatever making the girls laugh and then we see amanda and iris together for the first time this is where i'm intellectualizing that miles and amanda do know each other yeah like they, they obviously had a they work together yeah yeah and so i'm just like what a weird yeah little way for everybody to come together i also don't think of arthur being amanda's neighbor yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody knows everybody. They're dancing around. They're a happy little family now. It's so nice. It's, it's very sweet. Like, I was really prepared for some... Really, like... Devastating stuff yeah. at the end of this movie. And barring some confrontations with personal demons, this all worked out very well. And, and everybody's better for it. Yeah. I, I really thought some sad stuff was going to happen. I'd like to do a new thing. What's that? I'd like to, before we take stock on what this movie means for us, let's let's talk some criticism. 
Okay. Yeah, let's 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 both criticize and analyze. You mean like the fact that this movie's incredibly predictable? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, it is my favorite rom-com, but she's absolutely right. It's 100% predictable. See, the thing is, I feel like Iris learns a multitude, not only about herself, but about... You think she has a richer experience? She does have a richer experience from this. And I just kind of feel like Amanda doesn't really learn anything. Well... Or grow. I feel like she does. I mean, she grows a little bit emotionally. Like, like the only thing I can think of that she has achieved from this is getting a good man. And and a good cry. And being able to cry. Well, see, I feel like we have kind of the inverse of the same story here. We get like a small town English girl who has very low self-respect and is does not stand up for what she wants. She goes to big city L.A. and with all the sunny weather and she meets all these nice people and she comes out of her shell. She meets this great guy. You know, she learns to take what she wants out of life. Whereas Amanda, who's very used to taking things that she wants out of life, cannot focus inwardly on herself Mm -hmm. you know she can't cry she won't deal with the fact that she can't cry and then by the end of this movie she's learned to turn herself inside out and confide in another person trust her heart with another person okay in a way that she as we saw was not previously doing with ethan hawk or whatever the hell it is you him. a lot of these complaints that i have about the movie i it's a little easy for me to look over them because the dialogue is great, and the way the characters relate to each other is pretty great. I was going to say, what do you like about the movie? At the end of the movie, I did feel better for having watched it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's very funny. It's very sweet. And I'm still only slightly resentful of the fact that you forced me to have a crush on Jack Black. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He gives a great performance in this film. He like, does. For all of the st- Stupid fool crap that he is in. I just, this is a good appearance for him. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, It's not his same old junk. I love the way I can relate to this movie, especially to Iris. And I love the way that this movie makes me feel. I mean, I just kind of like want to be Iris. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, like. Big mood. And, you know, you want to be Iris. You want to be Graham. You know, you want to be Miles. Like, I want to be these people. I want... I want, I want one of these fabulous careers. Yeah, I want what they get. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that having the two sides of the same coin shown here, you know, with Iris learning to grow and Amanda learning to show, you know... Oh, that's lovely! Yeah. I like it! Yeah. Um, I, I just think that Nancy Myers has a gift to take you on a journey, make you experience the feelings with her. And I think that you're right. Viewers are better for having seen it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a great little story. It's a hot chocolate and warm blankets kind of movie. Mm-hmm. show for the season buddy oh my goodness that's it the last show of the year that's a wrap i know oh my goodness oh my goodness 
how do you feel? I mean, I can't believe we've made it this far. Yeah, neither can I. It it was just a little pipe dream at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Now we've got we've got five, 17, 17 episodes. Five months under our belt here. Yeah. Guys, we hope your holiday is wonderful and merry and full of light. And if you're going through it, we uh, we're there with you. We're there with you. Winter is not always the best time. Especially in these northern parts. (laughs) And as the holiday teaches you, it's a time to show and grow. Exactly. As much of a euphemism as that may be. (laughs) It is time for you to show and grow. And I think that we're all going to get through it. It's 2020's coming. It's it's time for change. And I want, yeah, I want to wish everybody a happy impeachment. I thought you were going to say Happy New Year. I want to wish everybody a happy impeachment and a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah and a Happy New Year and a Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you're celebrating. If you're you're just celebrating being you, that's great too. Yeah, I I hope that you have a good family to turn to and great friends to turn to because I know I do. Mm -hmm. Same. mm -hmm. Thank you to everybody who's been listening so far. Mm -hmm. We're trying to come up with some great things in the new year for you guys. And a special shout out to my man Gavin, who has helped us keep this dream alive and who has helped to put us in a good place to do what we are loving doing. Yeah. And um, we couldn't do this show without his support. Just remember, guys, the greatest gift you can give us this holiday season is by sharing this podcast with somebody you love. This is a great time to remind you guys we are having a little contest. Mm -hmm. Everybody who does a Apple podcast review in the month of December, we're all going to put them in a little hat, probably a Santa hat. And we're going to draw a name out, and that person will get to pick the first feature of 2020. You can find us, as you know, at Kick and Stream on Twitter. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> we can spell. <laughs> if you have any, uh, uh, I have one more wonderful shout-out. Um, it's to our mother. Yes. And our father. Yes. We know that you listen to this show occasionally. I'm horrified. I'm very horrified. But I want you to know that I hope you still love us. (laughs) And that love is always appreciated. And we should call you more. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) We should call more. And we understand that. The next time we record again, we're going to be in a studio. We're going to be in the new studio in Carrie Ann's new house. It's going to be really exciting. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. And I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry, Mom. Mom.